all those things are good. I just don't know if I just have to. Previously on the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. It's really unique that his signature quote as an Ohio State coach in seven years came after a loss and after that loss specifically. And his quote was, we're not used to this. I'm not used to this. We're not going to get used to this. That will never happen again. Well, that's what you have to be as And it hasn't happened again. That's the only shutout of his 17-year coaching yeah, career I, and the worst loss he ever suffered, and it hadn't happened again. <laughs> well, because of Ryan Day and Urban well, Joe, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah but not- uh, one shutout in 17 years, not that impressive to the uh, fine folks of ESPN, apparently. Good morning, everybody. It is a Wednesday edition of the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. Mr. Spielman is here on a frigid, frigid morning in the hinterlands. Oh. <laughs> I got to tell you. Wow. But there are people up who have an agenda this morning, sir. I'm convinced there's a conspiracy against me. That's the mean streets of Plain City. Mm. Are, are we in Plain City or what? what we are, are we, outside what? Plain We're City. We're outside yes. of Plain City. An undisclosed City. location, yeah, like Mark Levin in a bunker somewhere in case they come looking for him. So I'm driving here, and there happens to be I'm, I'm the only person on the road, me and another car, and they're tailgating me, and I'm going to speed limit because there's bus stops and sure. schools, and it's that time of day. It wasn't mayhem from Allstate, and was it? And this, it, might, it might have been mayhem, <laughs> who, by the way, I think is a great actor. That is a great act and a great commercial. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know his name, but I think he's really good. And so I'm getting, the guy's tailgating me. Are you, are you kidding me? So then I'm thirsty, so I go in the... The uh, Hooli Manter. The Hooli Hooli Basement Refrigerator. The Refreshments uh, Choice. Refreshment Center. So I go and look, and I I like Diet Coke or Diet Pepsi, whatever. And then there's Diet Right. Diet Right. Well, that's the cold stuff. There might be Diet Coke or Diet Pepsi on top of the fridge. I don't know. Right. Diet Right. We're old school here. I haven't seen Diet Right since 1984 at Burger Chef on on (laughs) Cleveland Avenue in, in Masculine, Ohio. Hey, give me a cheeseburger and a diet right. I, I mean, are you serious? Diet right? I don't do the shopping, sir. That was uh, you'll have to take that up with the boss of the I house. I will. Uh, she's getting a strongly worded email she later. Will. She should. She absolutely should get a strongly worded email. And so should ESPN. They're out with their top 150 college football coaches of all time list. And you know how this works. You uh, look for it on the web, and so it's uh, you know. Got a page down, and I'm thinking, well, yeah, I, I, I don't see Urban on like they got they got Paul Bear Bryant there on one. Okay, and I, I'll tell you why I think that's bogus in a moment. But then I'm paging down. I see Newt Rockney, and I see Nick Saban, and I said, I'm like, what Saban's what, two, what, right? What, what? Yeah, Saban's two, and I'm like, uh, okay, like Tom Osborne, and uh, and I keep going, and I keep going, and I keep going, and I get to oh, there he is. Not at number four, not at number six, not even if you add those together, not at number 10. You put four and six together, he's 46th on their list of the top 150 college football coaches of all time. A guy with uh, a 900 winning percentage at Ohio State, a 7-0 record against Michigan. The third of his three national championship rings. I believe he's the first or second all-time winning percentage coach at 
all four places yeah. he's coached, Bowling Green, Utah, Florida, and here. 46th. Been a lot of great coaches, apparently, that I'm unaware yeah. of. Well, I mean, first of all, I don't want to disparage any of the other coaches ahead of him because all those guys are great coaches, yeah. right? And just because we say somebody's great doesn't diminish the greatness of somebody else. Correct. And I, when I look at Urban and what he's been able to do at Bowling Green, at Utah, at Florida, it's been remarkable. On, I'm biased because I think he's a top three and interchangeable at that top three position. I do believe they got it right with Saban. Plus, you know, I think for me, I look at it and people and coaches that I've dealt with and live in my generation, I would say this generation uh, of coaches – it's more difficult to win now than it was back when Paul Bear Bryan and all those guys and Woody and, and their heyday because, first of all, there was 120-some scholarships back then. Now yeah. there's 85, yeah, right? right? And so – There was been, unlimited scholarships back you know, then. You could bring in 40 freshmen, 50 freshmen yeah. if you want. If you had the money to pay, you could pay it. So Unlimited. But, yeah, but the other, but the th I, I always looked at it too, Bruce, from the point of um, – I think parity is good for the game, and so that's been good for the game. But I think for this generation, or ever since the 85 uh, scholarship thing uh, kicked into place or whatever it was, even when I was playing, I don't know what it was when I was playing. I don't think it was much right, 95. More. Okay. I mean, 95. Not, okay, so when you're talking about that and, and also uh, guys leaving early and, and the, the rules that are set up and like a place like Ohio State when you lose guys to the NFL – I think what Urban has been able to accomplish at every different level in college football, you're talking about the the MAC uh, with Bowling Green. I believe Utah was in the Mountain West at the time that Urban was mm -hmm. uh, with the, uh, the Utes. Then, of course, what he was able to do at Florida and at Ohio State, uh, there's an argument to be made that he is the top or, at, like I said, at the very least, he's arguably in the top three. Then those three could be interchangeable, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, you articulated some of the reasons why Urban at 46th is laughable. Uh, I will just put it in terms that I think everybody listening to this podcast who's a father or a mother can understand. Is it more difficult to parent now or is it more difficult to parent when you were a kid? I would argue it's much more difficult to parent now because we all have to, you know, be aware of social media. We all have... Uh, but every generation says that. But every generation is right when they say that because, techn true. because technology moves to the point and, and modern whatever right. move to the point where the challenges of that day are greater than the challenges before. Like when you're in the prairie pioneer days, your kids lived in a log cabin with you and were with you 24-7. Yeah. And then when you get into the industrial age, okay, you're working outside the home or the dad is, and then you get to the point where the dad and the mom are starting to work outside the well, home. Well, and the, the kids and back 60s. then were, in the, were working in factories too early on, weren't yeah. they? Yeah, but I mean, here's the thing. Like now, here are things that uh, Bernie Bierman and, and Bud Wilkinson and, and Eddie Robinson and all these guys are in the top ten didn't have to deal with. They didn't have to deal with social media. They didn't have to deal with their players doing or saying something on social media that blows up and they have to deal with it. They had they coaches today have to deal with a much different attitude toward discipline from their players than the players well, of the fifties. Like you grew up, what the coach said, gospel, right? Coach grab your face mask. Coach slap you around. Coach do whatever they wanted to do. And there was no uh 
accountability for that. There was just there was a different attitude toward discipline. Integration. The integration of college football. Bear Bryant coached a, a fair amount of time before the integration of college football. And yes, I know Bear Bryant fans, he was the first in the SEC to integrate because USC came down there with Sam Bam Cunningham, and he was like, well, we can't play like this much longer. Uh, you know, so there's Wilbur a, just Jackson, a lot. Wilbur Jackson, I believe, was the first. Wilbur Jackson at Alabama, Great yes. running back. Uh, so integration has played a part in it. Uh, you mentioned that I hadn't even had that on my list, and you're right, losing guys to the NFL. That didn't happen for, I would say, for all of Bear's career. Yeah, No. No, you just uh, got a great player. You had him for four years. Just unfathomable. Herschel Walker was the first guy to do that in like the 80s. It's uh, USFL, and I believe that was 19. I'm going to say 82, 84, 85, somewhere. Somewhere, somewhere. So, anyway, all these factors are why I would say that just like it's more difficult to parent now, it's more difficult to coach now. And oh, by the way, let me mention the number one reason. Generally, we grade these guys. You wouldn't be on this list unless you won a lot of games, right? And a lot of national championships. A national championship is a barometer. Is it easier to win a national championship now when you have to win a league championship game at the end? A couple of playoff games and you're definitely going to play the absolute best team or is it was it easier to win a a championship in the eras where well we're the SEC so we play in the Sugar Bowl so the Sugar Bowl champ is undefeated and they're ranked number 1 and they go to the SEC and oh look there's no you know the best uh, the other best teams in the Big 12 but they're in the Orange Bowl or the other best teams in the Big 10 and they're in the uh, Rose Bowl so we're going to get like two loss I don't know Notre Dame we're going to get one loss Penn State we're going to it's much, much harder to win a national championship now. And you mentioned the parity. That's driven by TV money and TV networks. Do you think Bear Bryant worried about Mississippi State beating him? Like that, that you think Woody worried about go, Indiana or that, Illinois yeah, beating him? Dan Mullen could go to Mississippi State and get Dak Prescott and have them rank number one in the right. country? No way! So to have this list with all the old-timers on it, fine. If you want to break it up by era, fine. But the only I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I mean, sure. just come on with the forty sixth on Urban. I mean, come on with that. Yeah, and I'll just hey, you're not the you're not the biggest Urban. I, I don't want to say fan, but you're I, not. I you're I, not a I, shill I, I, for listen, Urban. I was going to say I recognize that Urban has some flaws, and yeah. Urban has. But just I mean, be fair. You, you I'm about being fair. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so the reason why I point out Urban's flaws is because I think it's fair. To point out his flaws, but you, so it's also fair to say this is a joke. He's forty sixth. <laughs> who, who he's in the top three? He just is. Who made the committee? Who who picked oh, this? It's a bunch of uh, guys from ESPN who I, I like. Ivan Mazel's a really wonderful guy, and right. you know, I thought you know, look, I mean, let's be. And Ivan was really, really honest. The whole like gist of what you need to know is the last paragraph of the intro. He says, "Take this list, pour a beverage." Read it and weep, or weed it and reap the benefit of knowing better than the panel. It did is, you say it, weed it? Yeah, weed it. In other words, get the junk out of it, which <laughs> oh. we just did. Um, it's always for entertainment purposes only. Right. They did the list to spark discussion, and they're sparking discussion, so they got what they wanted. I go into it eyes wide open. Look, to have, just to put it in Ohio State terms, to have Woody and Jim Tressel ahead of Urban Meyer is just not correct. It's just not no, again, I go back to it's not diminishing what what uh, Coach Trussell was able to not do at, at all. Youngstown State and, of course, here at Ohio State. Let me what, just say right here, you said I'm not the biggest Urban fan. People know, you know, I, I 
got a lot of press for saying that Ohio State should have sat Tress down at the time of Tattoo Gate. Mm-hmm. I never said they should fire him. I said they should sit him down, which, by the way, they did with Urban. You know, so mm-hmm. what I advocated for Tress is what they did with Urban. But to have Woody ahead of Jim Tressel is wrong because Jim Tressel won playoff national championships at Youngstown State. Multiple times. Jim yeah. Tressel, yeah, four times. Jim Tressel came to Ohio State and killed the Michigan rivalry. Killed it. He killed Michigan. Jim Tressel's the guy. Troy Smith was his hitman, but Jim Tressel's the guy who did it. That's part of right, hiring uh, the right hitman. Uh, well, it's part of being smart enough to say, I have Justin Zwick in the same recruiting class, and he's my quarterback of the future. But you know this kid at Glenville, he's just a little bit too good of a football player for us to pass up. Let's bring him in. And on the recruiting list when they signed him, they put next to Troy Smith's name, A-T-H, athlete. They didn't know where they were going to put him. Right. But they didn't let him go anywhere else. And that's part of coaching. That's part of seeing the future. So Jim Tressel should be ahead of Woody because I know Tress lost two national championship games. I got news for you, Buckeye fans. Woody blew a national championship in 1969, 1970, and 1975. If you have the greatest college football player of all time, Archie Griffin, and you don't win a national championship with him, I got to put Jim Tressel and Urban Meyer ahead of you. Uh, Urban Meyer is is the greatest coach in Ohio State history, and I say that without diminishing Coach Hayes or Coach Tress. And We've had a lot of great coaches. Five. Earl and right. Cooper on this list, too. So you've well, five of the top ones. I think <laughs> Francis Schmidt's on it. I don't know if Paul Brown's on it. So they've had at least six of the top 150. Yeah, well, I, and again, I, I get what ESPN's doing, and I think it's more accurate to, to break it down because those guys, like I'm looking at a picture you have uh, Paul Bear Bryan up. Right now, and uh, you talk about Bud Wilkinson or Tom Osborne. I think if you break it down by era, you know, like a top ten in each era, then I think that would be more accurate. But I, there's no doubt for for me that Saban uh, should be on that list. But right, Urban at 46. I, I it almost sounds like it's somebody. It's, it's they're personal. taking a personal to drop sure. him to 46. <laughs> That's 40, ridiculous. There's a guy, I don't even know if he's on the list, but the I thought the winningest coach of all time was a guy named John Gallardi. John from, Gagliardi, yeah. yeah from, D3 uh, coach. But he, from, you, don't, you don't say the G in there. I actually did. No, okay. John Gallardi, I right. think it is, uh, from St. John's. And he was totally opposite of every coach that you've ever known. I did a game where they beat Mountain Union in Division Three National Championship game down in Salem, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. How they prepared for the game was they all played a, a Tecmo Bowl or Madden game or whatever it was, video games. That's how they would do their coverage. They'd come out, and they would not do any organized warm-ups. They, they would do roll around on the ground, and they would laugh and punch each other in the pads. And when the game started, boom. He says uh, in the write-up on him, they did not tackle in practice. They did, did nothing. Not, they did not lift weights. They did not practice longer than 90 minutes. And they didn't lose. Very and he's well. the winningest coach in, yeah. the, in the history yeah. of college football. I think has most wins, or at one time did at least. I know that. Yeah. Now, now listen, I'm, I admire greatly, and I know you do, because maybe to the detriment of some of our fans, Bo Schembechler. Bo, 20th, without ever winning a national championship, 26 spots ahead of Urban? <laughs> I mean, just come on. It is what it is. It's, it's fine. I think... If, if some of that might be their impact on college football too, you know well, what Bo I mean. Built the Michigan, rebuilt he, the Michigan. He did. Program. Um, Lou Holtz is twenty third. Uh, this just, I mean, it's just. Didn't Lou uh, have like problems after every school that he left when they're 
Mm. Or there is that with every coach where there's always I issues? I don't, mm, yeah, I, I don't know enough about that to answer your question. Okay. I don't know about that. Here's one of my issues with Osborne being fourth. He inherited a program from Bob Devaney right. that won back-to-back national championships. Like, he was Devaney's assistant, like, and he just stepped right in. That's not to say Tom Osborne didn't do a great job. It's to say that a coach who built something had a harder job than Tom Osborne did. So, you know, it's but, a Osborne's good discussion. A, but Osborne's yeah. a nice guy. Everybody, yeah, everybody likes gentleman Tom Osborne. So, I mean, yeah. Urban 46. That, that, that's, I, you know. I, I would I, have all I, modern guys on my top. I would. I'd have Pete Carroll up there because USC was way down, and Pete Carroll built USC. Yeah. Pete Carroll, Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, and I'm probably forgetting somebody. I'd, I'd start with those three. Well, I think you have discussion. to put Dabo Swinney up in Dabo, there. thank you. Yes, Dabo, for sure. For what he's been for able sure. to do at Clemson. And, and remember, Dabo took over that program. He was not even the offensive coordinator. I believe he was the wide receivers coach at the time. That's correct. And then when Dabo took that over, I give credit to the AD or whoever made that decision for recognizing the leadership skills of Dabo Swinney. And what he's been able to build and maintain at Clemson has certainly been impressive and in, in something that I I admire. The other one I think is is some of it, it with Newt Rockney at uh, Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting thing about Newt Rockney is that uh, I Newt Rockney All American was a book we talked about that I read over and mm-hmm. over and over as a kid, and I believe that Newt Rockney really made the forward pass or the passing game was really innovative. So those are factors that you can you can put in. And some people say that, you know, Urban Meyer took the the, the spread option or the read Absolutely. option game to a different level. No doubt. You know? And uh I it's it's it is fun to talk about, but you're right. Forty six is ridiculous. I think at the at the lowest you can rank Urban Meyer and I think this is way too low, but I can see where it could happen. Uh, would probably be eighth. Yeah, he can't be outside the top ten. No, with three yeah. championships in the playoff era. But in camp, and, and and dominating at Bowling Green, at Utah, at Florida, at Ohio State, in the programs that he built. And and, and you know when you when you're that good of a coach, and you could say this about Coach Saban too. You know you build programs. You step on a lot of toes to do it. Sure. I mean, you you know, you got to fire people. You got to get what you want. You got to be, you know, it's hard to do. It is a very difficult job to do. And for Urban to be able to do that everywhere he's been uh, is is cool. We got a chance to see it up close. And who knows? Maybe we'll see it with the Dallas Cowboys. You got some news on that, do you? <laughs> no, I just want to see your. Okay. I want to see your reporter and go. I'd love to see what he could There's do. There's no. The I I I would too, but I I got to tell you, man. I just don't know. There's certain guys that are built for the NFL and certain guys that aren't built for the NFL. And for me, I know uh, I'm not saying that he couldn't be great and couldn't be a great head coach in the NFL because obviously I think he could and he'd need to surround himself with, you know, everybody. Uh, Obviously he would, you know, uh, that has some – impact in a game as far as everything goes in the personnel world, the scouting world, the the developmental part of it. It's just a different game. Uh, on the field stuff, I think he would be great, and I think he would hire great coaches, and he knows so many coaches. 
the one thing that I would be concerned about is that, you know, it's not uncommon. Like if you watch the Eagles, the Eagles are six and seven, right? Or yeah, six and seven. Yeah, they're six and seven tied with the Cowboys in the NFC East. And um, you watch how the Eagles and getting booed at halftime and losing four in a row, but you're still in the hunt. I don't know if Coach Meyer can lose four in a row because I know what losing does to him. I don't know if he's built for that type of uh, non-domination, yet you still have to be able to hang in there. Well, here's a do, you, do you agree with that? Or? I do. On its face, I do. But maybe we could look at it a bit differently, and I'm just throwing this out as a consideration. In the college football realm, you can't lose. Start the season knowing you can't lose. If you do, you seriously imperil your ability to win a championship. Right? Yeah. yeah. In the NFL realm, you got, what, a five-game cushion? 11 and 5, you're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. 11 and 5, you're going to make the playoffs. I mean, maybe that would take some of the stress. Maybe. And maybe it'd take some of it off. Maybe it would. And he'd just be like, look, we're built. Your focus would be different. College football, you got to be ready every single week. You got to be primed and ready. If you play a big time opener, you got to be ready every well, week. Well, I. In the NFL, you do two. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, in the NFL, don't we agree that Belichick kind of looks at September as like an extended preseason and, like, I want to be building toward the, uh, the end? I'm not saying you ever give away a game. I'm just saying that you have – Well, I think everybody in the NFL, you have. I guess my, my larger point is in the NFL, you have some a bigger cushion and you need to be building toward – you need to be at your best at the end of the year. You need to be – the mindset of the NFL is, first of all, yeah, get to the playoffs, right? And you're always working for position in the playoffs because statistically speaking, if you get so many home field playoff games, your chances of advancing. I mean, there's numbers that that back up, back that up. And again, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I I can't get out of my mind when Urban said on was it on the radio? Was it on Colin Coward? That's that's the Dallas Cowboys. Well, team. He was being asked about Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Dallas, and he said, I I don't really know Lincoln Riley. But as for the Cowboys' job, boy, that's a job, you know. That's I mean, the you, Dallas that's Cowboys. That's the job, and I'd have. And then Cowherd was like, the way he, the way Urban talked about it, Cowherd was like, well, "Would you be interested? I'd have to listen, you know, something like that." That's a general paraphrase of what he said. So, hey, Jerry, oh, hey, don't forget about call, me. I'm over here. COVID. Hey, how over did here. you how did you let that Joe Burrow get yeah. out of the state oh, of Ohio? Man, well, man. we actually had him on the roster yeah. for three years. Boy, uh, Urban was very. Urban, Urban was much kinder to Colin because of his Fox relationship than he would have been, no. and, should, and and you know any knucklehead who would. Well, that's and I don't mean Colin's a knucklehead. I just mean in that instance, no. his he makes producers him, did not serve him well. Well, he should know that. He though. should that one. I mean, I make mistakes all the time. He and, and sometimes you make a mistake where you just go, "How in the world did I not?" But, do that? but and that's one of them. But I don't know if he ever came back and like when I make a mistake on the air, I usually try to correct it immediately. Yeah. If I make a mistake, way to do it. I do, and and I, I I screwed that up. Uh, here's what it is. But that one to me was like, how did you not? I mean, we're talking. It's not we're talking about some quarterback that's having a good year. We're talking about a Heisman Trophy candidate yeah. quarterback that everybody that follows college football understands that Joe Burrow had a three-year career, got beat out by Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, you would think just because Burrow materializes virtually out of nowhere, you would be like, well, where, where was this kid as a sophomore? Yeah. Where was this kid? Like, how did he not play at LSU before last year? <laughs> oh, he was at Ohio State. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah. Right, that's, I, but that's the urban that I know, right? That's the yeah. good guy. Yeah. You imagine urban in a press conference and – 
if somebody had asked somebody, him that yeah. the college football playoff championship game. <laughs> hey, hey, how'd you I, let Joe Burrow get out of Ohio? You, <laughs> could you imagine his response? Well, you wouldn't have to imagine it because the other media people in the room would be like, uh, <laughs> oh, man. We would eat our own on that one, as <laughs> we should. Uh, speaking of eating, Spiels, I had the chance to uh, have some Stover Farms custom meat hamburger this week. You did? Oh, my goodness. So good. So delicious. So moist. That's what you get when you get certified Angus beef. Uh, Trevor Stover, father of Cade Stover, Buckeye linebacker, defensive end, uh, grows that Angus beef on his farm in the Lexington Mansfield area. They process it right there on site. Everything's certified by the state, and they bring it to their retail store at 4000 Presidential Parkway in Powell. Steaks, they are vacuum-packed. You go in, beautiful display cases, pork, chicken, all of it non-GMO, no hormones. It is so good. They will work with you on processing your own beef. If you're a farmer, you got your own beef, or you buy a steer from a friend or whatever, Stover Farms will custom process it for you to your liking if you'd like to give a really thoughtful gift. And this is a great idea for businesses. Uh, when I worked for a uh, company in Cleveland, endorsed for a, a roofing company, every year I'd get a box of steaks from my friends. Shout out, Todd, Clyde, Scotty Runyon at Runyon Roofing in uh, Cleveland, in Menor, actually. And... Uh, Boy, if you're a central Ohio business, any business in the state of Ohio, and you'd like to really, you know, treat your clients to a unique and delicious Christmas gift, how about let Stover Farms prepare a custom you know, gift pack for you of steaks, chops, whatever. You know what goes good with Stover's custom meats? Diet right. Look at that, man. You inhaled that diet right. Diet right. You want me to go get you another I one? haven't had it since 1983, <laughs> no. and it's just as bad now as it was back On then. On the way home, he's going to stop <laughs> at the local mini mart and get a whole six-pack of that. <laughs> Pay $12 for it. <laughs> oh, this podcast is going to be much better oh. now that you have that in you and you're suitably caffeinated, yes. my oh, Yes, I am. All right, what so do we got next? StoverFarmsCustomMeats.com uh, is the website. All right. Um you mentioned Joe Burrow. I had a question here for you. Let's uh, go into the Wayback Machine. How would history be different at Ohio State if Joe Burrow had never broken his hand? Just to refresh people's memories, Joe Burrow uh, redshirted his freshman year Then he, as a freshman. Then he's behind um, JT Barrett. This is 2016. Uh, Joe is a redshirt sophomore. Dwayne Haskins is a redshirt freshman. And Joe is the number two quarterback. And in one day in practice, he's just throwing a little short pass, and a lineman was close, a defensive yeah. lineman. He hit his hand, as you see often. Baker Mayfield did it just a few weeks ago against the Steelers. He hit his hand, Joe did, on a lineman's helmet and broke his hand. And so he was out for, I don't know, six, eight weeks, somewhere in there. By that time, we got to have a backup quarterback. So Dwayne Haskins had come in. He'd played a few snaps. Um and Dwayne Haskins stayed the backup. And then at Michigan, JT Barrett went down the middle of the game. They're behind. Dwayne Haskins leads the Buckeyes to three <clears> consecutive scoring drives. And in spring ball that year, it was a, after JT had graduated, it was a competition. But how do you not play the kid who basically won you the Michigan game? Well, and I think it turned out to be the right decision, too, because what Dwayne Haskins threw, what, 50? 50 touchdown passes. Threw 50? And almost 5,000 yards passing. <laughs> You weren't 13-1 and one and won the Rose Bowl. And I think Joe would have put up similar numbers, but I think it's been remarkable to watch what uh, Joe's been able to do at LSU. And really, you think about uh, Joe Burrow pretty much saved LSU's program. They didn't have a quarterback. They've had always had troubles finding mm -hmm. that quarterback. 
for consistency out of that position year after year, in my opinion. Yeah, they've vastly underachieved for their talent. The program had Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, on and on and on offensively. They just never had a good passing. And what Joe's been able to do, I think I'm going to predict uh, that Joe Burrow is going to be your Heisman Trophy winner, which is nice to have a Buckeye as a Ohio State graduate as a. Yes. Hey, that's the truth. Uh-huh. <laughs> we put a little. Do we do a special trophy yeah, case? For, we should absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's going to be a trip. How and many Ohio State graduates have won? How many guys who played football at Ohio so, State have won the Heisman Trophy? You'd have to include Joe I, Burrow. In I actually think it's one of the coolest stories, and it's it's a strong argument of why the transfer portal works. And it's for me, it is because you know Joe wasn't going to beat out Dwayne Haskins. Joe knew that and he had an opportunity and what I love about Joe is that he could have could have gone to a program not as high profile as LSU, Cincinnati, Nebraska were two or, right there. Yeah, I know they would have loved um, believe me, they would have loved to have Joe Burrow, right? And uh Joe decided to go to LSU and beat everybody out. And now is going to be the Heisman Trophy winner of 2019. It's a great story, and he couldn't be happier for the guy. And you know, you have to look. Um, if he is he going to be the number one guy, and is, are the Bengals going to be able to take him? What um, I think you have to take a strong look at that. And is this the guy that you want to build, and you're ready to start over, and you're going to be patient with him? And this is this the guy you want to build with? I think yes, they are, and okay. I think they should. And I've I've said, and I want to apologize. We said earlier, when you make a mistake, apologize. A few weeks ago, I said, if the why would the Bengals let Andy Dalton go and draft Andy Dalton? Now, having watched Joe Burrow, I don't think he's Andy Dalton at all. Uh, I think he's Aaron Rodgers in attitude, and by that I mean Joe's got an edge to him, man. Yeah. He's he doesn't suffer fools, and he's he's a chip on the shoulder guy. He's got a great pocket presence i i I think in skill set he's russell wilson very mobile not the greatest of arms but very effective runner and very effective thrower i gotta see more yeah i i I really do i'd have to watch i have to watch some of the throws breeze he's more joe's more runner able to get you some useful yardage on the scramble than drew Brees. right and i think drew Brees is is a better thrower than Joe Burrow? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, but that's not taken away from no, Joe no, though, no. or, or what his effect. Here. I think what Joe Burrow is is a winner, mm-hmm. and he's a leader, and he's a competitor. So he has all the intangibles that you need to to, to check off. I just I need to see more of, and I got to see some of the. I see the easy throws. I just have to see some more tough throws. Not saying that he can't make them. I just want to see if he's throwing guys open in his anticipation. I do know this. He's a son of a coach. I'm biased towards sons of mm-hmm. coaches because I think there's a certain passion that's instilled in you at a very young age. He wants to be good. I don't think the moment's too big for him. He's not afraid of a challenge, and he doesn't uh, wilt under pressure. All those things are good. I just don't know if... I just have to see more of him throwing the ball. I'm not saying he's not good enough. I'm not saying he is good enough. I just need to see more of him. I do know this. He's been a great college quarterback. Uh, he's saved, and he's a legend in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. He will be a legend in the state of Ohio. And it's just fun to watch. And I don't know if his skills 
I think his mobile skills will translate to the NFL. I just got to see the arm a little bit more. And if I do, you know, because I asked a couple of the Viking, I didn't ask Rick because I know he hasn't watched him yet, but I asked a couple of the Viking guys up there uh, about Joe, and there's they are. It's about a split on mm-hmm. where do you, now. I'm not saying he's not a top a first round pick. What do they We're think he lacks? Arm strength. I I, I I think accuracy is still okay. you know we'll see, um, but it's not it's not like it's not we're not debating whether he's a first round pick or not. It's debating where do you take him in mm-hmm. the first round. That's that's the thing. Well, you mentioned uh, the transfer portal being a good thing for uh, him. For him, I I wonder how you keep a highly touted kid on a roster going forward at the quarterback position when three of the four Heisman finalists, Burrow started at Ohio State, Fields started at Georgia, and Hurts started at Alabama. I mean, if you're a five-star kid, you come in, you sit like this Graham Murr's kid at Wisconsin. Jack Cohn's got another year. And I don't know anything. Graham Murr's has said it. He's always happy and all this stuff. There, These kids are everywhere. There's always – you want as many great ones as you can get. Uh, Arizona State has – brought two guys in and the young kid popped I, f- I forget what Jalen somebody popped the other kid I think was likelihood to stay because when you look at Burrow when you look at Fields and you look at Hurts you're like well, why would I stay here like I'm good enough to play and I'm gonna go find a place where I can play we see it with Jacob Eason at Washington he's probably gonna be a first round pick so he was a Georgia and then Fromm took over because Eason got hurt I just <laughs> think the transfer portal at the quarterback position man it's free, it's free agency coaches. it's free agency it's what it is and I think it's good. I, cause I, it's you, good for the player, and that's where we ought to want it to be good. It's good for the player, yeah. and it gives them a chance to play. Hey, by the way, since the finalists have been named. No, you cannot say how you voted. Can I say who my finalists were since they've already been named? I'd prefer you didn't. Why? We already because know who the finalists Because they say are. don't disclose it. One of my finalists is does, not did not there. there. Does not there. Okay, that's which, you can say that. Which upset me. Um, one of my finalists is not there. Oh, really? Yeah. Who is it? <laughs> so you don't want to say, but you want me to say. That's not going to happen. We'll say on Monday after the Heisman comes out. It's awarded uh. on Saturday night. You mentioned Joe Burrow's the son of a coach. This next young man I want to talk about is not the son of a coach, but he's the son of a player. He's the son of a former teammate of yours twice and um, a Rose Bowl MVP, Brendan White. The Brendan White story, there's been no weird, bad circumstance happen all season long on Brendan White uh, or or on, on the Ohio State football team. It's been all sunshine and balloons. They've played great. They've been phenomenal. And Brendan White, um, just sort of vanished from the landscape. And I did a story on him early in the year. Where's Brendan White? Greg Madison, Jeff Halfley. Oh, no, he's still right in there. He plays the bullet position. He shares it with Pete Warner. And, Chris, you've talked about Pete Warner's really played well. Pete Warner's, you know, able to cover. And Pete Warner's able to do everything they want the bullet position to do. Brendan White played less and less and less and less. He didn't. He wasn't on the travel roster to Indianapolis for the Big Ten title game. Now, they took everybody, but... Uh, Brendan, my understanding would have been he would have been a street close. So they've deemed that he's not somebody that they even need on special teams. I think um, if I'm Brendan, I proved I can play. I proved I can play at a high level. And I don't think anybody should be upset if, and I underscore the word if because I don't know, 
if Brendan White ends up in the transfer portal, I don't think anybody should be upset. Um, he helped save your defense last year. But it's just odd to me that he that he can't get on the field. Do you have any inside information from your friendship with William? Talk to William I, about it or anything like that? I don't. Okay. I have no idea. Uh, I thought when Brendan White played last year, he came in and that defense played better and he played at a very high level. Um, the only thing I can say is that when there are coaching changes and there are certain skill sets or whatever you're, that people are looking for, if a player doesn't fit what that coach wants, then that's the hard challenges of playing at a place like Ohio State. And if I'm Brendan, and I don't know any of the inside, I don't know what's going on in practice, I have no idea. I don't know what, what's going on inside the building. But I would be very frustrated, and if I'm not capable of getting on the field here mm -hmm. at Ohio State, I don't have any problem with Brendan going and wanting to play. Nope, nor do I. And he should because I think he's a really good player. He's a hybrid between a safety and a linebacker. He is what Pete Warner plays. I think Pete has played at a very high level, and – uh, I don't know what happened. I'm sure if Brendan was frustrated, he's not getting opportunities, he's, then I have no problem with him going and transferring and playing somewhere else. I don't know what's going to happen. I wish I did. I want the best for the kid. Uh, I want the best for all those guys. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, you can always review our podcast, and we hope you will, by going to iTunes and reviewing it. If you would like a tutorial on how to do that, you can go to pleasereviewmypodcast.com and uh, search Spielman and Hooley. It'll tell you how to do it. We had a review that we read on the last show from someone who was critical of uh, me, in particular, for being uh, vindictive and for having the gall. I think the word he used was gall to share my faith. But we that's what I don't understand. I mean, I share it as much as you. You he likes you. Okay. He doesn't like me. That's okay. Right. I, I, that's not the first. He's not unique in that. Uh, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, here's another uh, reviewer. Uh, okay. Just, that's all we have in terms of a name. He says, I love the no-nonsense honest takes of both Chris and Bruce. I also commend them for including the faith portion of the podcast. It's always encouraging to hear people publicly declare their faith and to hear about your struggles. Keep up the great work, guys. So, thank I'll you for that. It. Yeah. Uh, our reviewer who didn't care for us said that we only read the ones that are positive about the faith portion. Now, we'll read every review. Uh, I mean, we can't read every one because we get a bunch of them, and we're very appreciative of that. Uh, but we don't weed out the ones that, oh, this was a bad one. We're not going to read that. No, we'll read the bad ones. In fact, we're more probably more apt to read the bad ones because they make for the best conversation. Yeah. Uh, this one is from DZ says, uh, I want to thank you for the faith portion of your podcast. Those that don't appreciate it are those that need it most. Men need other men of faith to help us on this journey towards salvation. It helps us all know that we are in this together as men and that we are not alone. Yeah. That's kind of the, how we feel and how, why we do it. Right. Uh, Good. Email inbox is uh popping too. Wow. Mr. Spielman. Uh, What's going on with this? Well, People are actually listening to you know two guys the, in the basement. You know why the email uh, inbox is popping is because we are giving away a couples membership, membership a yeah. couples membership to Premier at Sawmill Athletic Club. So you go to SpielmanandHooley.com, and right there, I think you got to go down just a tad to find the big Premier uh, photograph. Click on that, enter, calendar year, a calendar year. So thirteen hundred dollar value. 
Wow. Couples membership. They have indoor pool, outdoor pool. So you can hang outside the pool this summer. You can swim laps now. Spin classes, strength classes, yoga classes, all the latest fitness equipment. And moms, they offer two hours free childcare. They free childcare every time you go to work out. So there's Pretty no excuses deal. anymore. You can take multiple kids in there. So uh, that's uh, what we have for you. And that's why the email inbox, I would think that's popping. Uh, for uh, at least a portion of that reason. All right, here's Dan on email, SpielmanHooleyPodcast at gmail.com. I've heard from you guys, especially Bruce, about not being scared to be number two, and we should not run from facing the best, even wanting to face Alabama. I love the Ric Flair motto of to be the man, you have to beat the man. <laughs> However, Woo! I think some OSU fans are more upset that for the third year in a row, the committee chose the SEC over OSU for something, whether it be seating or a playoff spot. Do you think that's a reasonable take? Yeah, I do. Very reasonable. Yeah, but at this point, it doesn't matter. This is this is where you are, and this is what you have. What are you going to do with it? And um, Ohio State, uh, everybody, they're an underdog for the first time. I actually think it can play into their advantage of being number two because everybody thinks Clemson's going to beat them. I believe they're, what, a two-point dog or one-point dog? They are or... a two-point underdog now. They started yeah. as a two-point favorite. So they were a two point favorite in 2016 when Clemson and, won the game. And you know, let's let's face it, Clemson has had its way with Ohio State in recent years, and Dabo knows how to prepare for them and get them ready. So I'm sure Clemson is feeling very confident about their matchup with Ohio State. I think Ohio State uh, learned a valuable lesson when they were sleepwalking through that first half and getting manhandled physically on both sides of the ball. Then in the second half, somebody woke them up. And they came out and they started to play how they can play. Now, I got to tell you, if they come out, which I don't think they will, but if they do come out like they did against Wisconsin in the first half, it will be ugly yeah. because Clemson can score and they can score in a hurry and they have a lot of different ways of attacking you, much like Ohio State. Now, Clemson hasn't faced anybody like Ohio State this year. That's right. And Ohio State hasn't faced anybody like Clemson this year. So that's why it's going to be a great game. And I, Ohio State fears nobody. And so I think it's a big deal to the fans uh, more than it is to the players. I actually think the more I thought about this, Bruce, it's Ohio's place to Ohio State's advantage to play Clemson in that second round or in that first round. Because they're going to have to get them sometime, and yep. you have to. And I love the Ric Flair model. You got to, you got to eventually beat them. And and Dabo is the biggest challenge for Ryan Day, in my opinion, because of the success that Dabo's had against Ohio State. And those guys aren't afraid of Ohio State. And we've discussed whether this could be the greatest Ohio State team of all time. If they beat Clemson and they beat LSU, they are the greatest Ohio By, State team. Well, of all let's. Time. I mean, you're assuming. LSU is yeah. going to beat yeah because I think that's a, that's an important I, I mean piece I, of it. yeah I, yeah but I would say this too we talked about the great story and it is of, of Joe Burrow correct there's a great story at Oklahoma and Jalen Hurts it's a great story for that no, kid. I'm not un, I'm not devaluing that I'm just saying I'm just watch him Oklahoma because, beats LSU I think that's their Super Bowl and it's like. Yeah. Hard for them to get back up and play Ohio State. Well, many people said that about Ohio State beating Alabama. Then they had to go play Oregon. Well, Oregon was not nearly the team as Bama. No? No. Not even <laughs> close. I, not my predicted, friend, my predicted score on that Ohio State-Oregon game was like 62 to 20-something. I said, "There's Oregon will not be able to stop them. 
And people laughed at me. Oh, that is Scorsese's two points. Ah, ah, ah. If Ohio State hadn't turned it over, they would have. Yeah. Because that's the only way Oregon stopped them, was Ohio State dropping the ball. Now, Dan also included a faith question. And boy, it's, a, it's one that, youch. It's a good one. Really good. Challenging. Okay. Uh, on your Monday podcast, you were talking about getting people to choose Christ in order to meet the ultimate goal of heaven. My question for you is what about those who do not believe in Jesus Christ as the Savior because they are Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, etc.? Do they not get into heaven? I ask only because when I went through RCIA to become Catholic, what is that? Uh, it's it's like just classes. An educational yeah. type yeah. program? Okay. Yeah. When I went through RCIA to become Catholic, I asked this exact question to our deacon and priest, who both echoed that those religions are all different incarnations of the same God, and that if those followers believe and follow their teachings, like our Bible, then they will t- reach the same ultimate goal when their time on earth is over. Do you agree, based on what you were talking about on Monday? You want me to go first, or you want to go first? I think the Bible's clear. That's all I'm going to do is quote the Bible to you. I think the Bible is clear. I do think this. And and do you want to say what your when you say the Bible is clear? Do you want to say what portion of the Bible? No man comes to the Father but through me. Acts four twelve. Okay. Uh, I think that no, that's no. That there's no other name under however, heaven or earth by which you must. Be however, saved. I yeah. do believe that uh, people. Chris is, yeah, uses I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's in John. Um, I do believe this. Uh, I do believe that God is a just God, and those that maybe have not heard the gospel or understand the gospel, but I do believe that people will have that that choice to make. Uh, I don't. I don't think it's after you die. I think before you die, there's always going to be that choice to make. And God is a just God. For those that never heard of who Jesus is, God is a just God. I believe that whole with all my heart. Now, if you're educated, you and you, you know, you have a choice to make. Uh, it's clear what the Bible says. So. That's where I stand on that. Yeah, I I totally agree. Yes, Jesus is the only way to heaven. Now, I do not have the mind of God to understand the complexity of all the nuances to your question, Dan. It is a great question. It is a question that I think scholars have poured over and theologians have poured over, and I would say it's a question that only God can answer and only God will answer because he's the ultimate authority. Well, every knee will bow, so... Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus just, Christ is Lord. I just heard that in in Catholic Church and Mass on Saturday night in downtown Minneapolis. So yeah, so I mean, the Jewish people, the Bible is clear on at least two things regarding the Jewish people. Number one, uh, they are God's chosen people. Yep, and that there will be a remnant preserved at the end. Uh, it's also clear from Jesus's life that he was rejected by the Jewish leaders. So. You know, I just, he is, yeah. he is the, he is the incarnation of the one true God and he's the son of God, fully man and fully God. And he was rejected by the Jewish. Here's what people. I know. The Bible is the word of God. I believe God. And I also believe that God is extremely just God and gives us a way. So, yeah. And Muslim and Hindu faith inject. I, I know Jesus has a place, I believe as a prophet in the Muslim religion, but he is not accorded his true 
stat, stature. And if you want to know who Jesus really is, you can find that in Colossians, where it talks about he everything mm-hmm. was created by him and for him. He existed before the world. He he was and is and is to come. So no, I don't believe that you can be a an an advocate uh, practicing Muslim because their Quran is. Um, it's not the true word of God. It's well, not. The, the Trinity is actually referenced in Genesis. So, Hindu, I don't know that much about. I don't know. I don't. I don't know enough of it to comment. What on. I would I, say I, is, I from the Bible, it's very clear in many places that Jesus is the only way. But it also, at one point, does say that um, creation itself is a testament to God's glory. That if you you know, you can see in creation the evidence of God's presence. And so how that works is for the mind of God, not for the mind of Bruce. Yeah, or, or me. I just know biblically what it says, and I, I know that, uh, I know that, thank God I have, literally, thank God that I have uh, somebody that made the ultimate sacrifice for me. And that God is a just God, and uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And now, the other thing I would say is, for those of us who have heard the truth and have heard the message of Jesus, the Bible is also very clear in that to whom much is given, yeah. much is expected. Well, you have choice. That's the, that's the difference, I think, between Christianity and, and some other greater world religions is that their Christianity is a religion based on a relationship and a free will and a free choice to make and, and we have just the only, make it. And we have the only living we have the only living God. On that note, yeah. can I share? Certainly. So we as fathers and we as men, and this is for mothers and everybody that people would that we have some responsibility over. Mm-hmm. And I always go to this, especially because I'm a I'm a a worry worry guy, you know. I worry all the time. Mm-hmm. I in fact I sent out a text this morning to all my kids and all their quote unquote friends that are close to our family. And I said the text I sent today. Hey, uh, I was just thinking about this. When you're driving today, just be aware of your surroundings. Focus in. And just get to where you are, safety first. I just, because mm-hmm. I worry, because I'm a dad, you know. Maybe God put that on your heart. I, I don't, yeah. I, and so, I don't know why I did that. So then this popped up, and I think I did it because this popped up after I sent a text on my phone. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Mm-hmm. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's in Matthew 6, 3, 4. This also came up. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? That also came up. This also, cast all your anxiety in him because he cares for you. That came up. When you're lying your head down at night, you will not be afraid. Your sleep will be sweet. Then this poem popped up that I get uh, once in a while. And we're reading poetry here on a Spielman and Hooley podcast. Can I read it, sir? Of course. Why worry about tomorrow and the rising of the sun of anguish over past or anguish over past mistakes that cannot be undone? Why waste life's precious moments on things that bruise the heart when today is ours to fashion into a work of art? 
Today comes once, but today comes, but once, my friend, it can never return. So use it wisely while you can. There's a lesson you may learn. Let history record the past, and tomorrow come what may. Be content to do your best with what you have today. And that's from poet Clay Harrison. So it's just amazing to me when we open our ears in our eyes, and as I wake up, and at 5.22 this morning, I send a text out, hey, by the way, if you're driving mm-hmm. um, today, just be extra careful. I don't know why I felt that way. I did, and just be vigilant. Now, it actually worked out for me as I'm driving out here to the, the mean streets of the outskirts of Plain City, and I'm being tailgated by somebody obviously off to an early morning hog slaughter here. Yes. <laughs> that, 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 okay, I had sent a driving text, but then it was followed up with all these things about, you know, as 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 parents or as spouses or whatever your role may be that we tend to worry about others that we're responsible for. And I was just given a bunch of peace today. So there's God working in my life. And I just wanted to share that with everybody today. Awesome. Faith portion of the podcast is brought to you by Flashes of Fun Photography. Flashes of Fun, take your senior pictures, your family pictures, your pet pictures, family and pets, no problem. Flashes of Fun, book online at flashesofun.com and save up to $50. On the Friday podcast, by the way, where are you headed this week? To our nation's capital, and I am going to the Holocaust Museum on Saturday because I think we have a four-hour window there, so hopefully I'll be able to get through it. I've heard so many things about it, and actually I feel it's my responsibility to go to the Holocaust Museum, just like I felt it was my responsibility last year in New York City to go to the Mm 9-11 Memorial. Uh, it's 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 my civic duty and it's my human duty to pay my respects to those folks and to that part of our history. So anytime I have those opportunities, and we happen to have one this Saturday, uh, I need to go. Yeah, and I would say, you know, and earlier in the podcast, just a few minutes ago, we were talking about uh, the Jewish people. As a Christian. It is your duty to love and protect and support the Jewish people. Uh, God makes it very clear that Jews are his chosen people. And if you are anti-Semitic or uh, tolerate anti-Semitic behavior in any way, that is completely unacceptable to God. Completely unacceptable. We need to be huge supporters of the Jewish state, huge supporters of the Jewish people. Um, Now, we had some technical difficulties today, so I can't music us out. We'll okay. get that fixed by Friday. Friday, we will talk about Chase Young being the Nagurski Trophy winner. And what has happened to Chase Young? Has he heard his draft status? And we'll get Chris to go over once again his Chase Young uh, Bosa Brothers comparison. Thanks for listening to the Wednesday. Hey, wait, wait, hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Just hold on. I got please, uh, please register for the Premier at Sawmill Athletic Club couples membership giveaway, new members only. Spielman Hooley podcast at gmail.com is how you do that. Review the podcast on iTunes. Send us an email, comment on our content. Give us anything you want. Oh, nice.